Nigeria continuing to be a country where we see an increase of violence. Uh, pastors are being abducted and attacked and killed. They're being held for ransom. And sometimes even when that ransom is paid, they're killed anyway. Across the world today, millions of Christians are persecuted. They face oppression, imprisonment, displacement, and even death simply because of their faith in Jesus Christ. These courageous believers are our brothers and sisters. We're in this together with them and we need to hear their voice. Join host Laura as we discover their stories today on Release International's Voice podcast. It's the start of a new year. 2023 is well and truly here. What are you looking forward to this year? Unfortunately, for millions of Christians across the world today, this new year will mean another year of persecution. Following the recent publication of Release International's Persecution Trends Report for 2023, which highlights the pressures Christians are likely to face in several key areas over the year, we're speaking to the CEOs of three of our sister ministries. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Cole Richards of Voice of the Martyrs USA, Tony Benjamin of Voice of the Martyrs Australia, and Floyd Brummel of Voice of the Martyrs Canada. Listen in as we discuss some of the key areas where persecution is expected to rise this year, as well as how all this information can help all of us and our churches to be better informed and to pray. So Cole, Tony and Floyd, it is great to have all of you on The Voice podcast today. I want to begin by asking each of you this. If you think about all the countries where your Voice of the Martyrs ministry is active, where do you expect to see the severest persecution of Christians in 2023? And what forms will that persecution take? So let's start with Cole, then Tony, then Floyd. This year we know that the trend will continue um, that's been present now for at least five years. Uh, across the continent of Africa, Islamist activity has been on a tremendous rise. So we've been serving in Africa in places like Sudan for more than 20 years. Uh, and then also in Nigeria for roughly 15 years with Islamist activity. Uh, now there are many fields that are like that though. Uh, countries that are majority Christian that we didn't expect to uh, turn out this way that are now experiencing tremendous violence. Christians experience tremendous violence at the hands of Islamists. Uh, that includes places like Mozambique, Ethiopia, and even Kenya. Um, all the way across the continent, uh, the Central African Republic, um, Cameroon, Uganda, uh, several countries in West Africa. These are all places where we our work has tremendously increased in recent years, and we know that that will continue, unfortunately, uh, throughout this year. Violence is terrible, but this other thing is terrible too, which is being unable to support your family. Um, so in a place like Nepal, where someone comes to Christ and they're ostracized by their village simply by being denied access to the water well. So they have to you know, suffer by walking miles every day to gather water from a stream just to have something to drink while the rest of the village uses the well. Or in uh, other places where, especially the Muslim world, when someone comes to Christ, they will be rejected by their family, which will cost them opportunities for education and jobs, which will mean, as a 
breadwinner, for example, that they can't support their wife and children anymore. So, you know, as a father of three, as a husband and father of three, would I rather take a beating or would I rather lose my opportunity to support my family for the rest of my life? Well, I'd rather take the beating. So it's not always the violence. It's these other things, too, which aren't as easy to spot and are very important in places like China, for example. Well, this year, particularly in the region that we work in, I think China will be a hot spot, especially with the fact that uh, Xi Jinping has been re-elected uh, for a longer term. And if we gauge anything from what has already happened, I think it's going to be challenging. They will continue to squeeze the church and put pressure on anybody that's related or connected to a church or a religious ministry or you know, an ideology contrary to communism. I think China is going to be a particular challenging scenario moving forward, not just for this year, but in the years to come. I would think of Nigeria continuing to be a country where we see uh, probably than any other country in the world right now, uh, an increase of violence uh, to Christians. And, and we used to say that, that persecution of Christians in Nigeria was predominantly in the north. Um, and then we think of Boko Haram, we think of um, you know, the other groups that are, are, are creating these, these Islamic militant groups um, that are creating uh, all kinds of persecution for Christians. Attack, you know, the church buildings are attacked uh, while they're worshiping. Uh, pastors are being abducted and attacked and killed. They're being held for ransom. And sometimes even when that ransom is paid, they're killed anyway. Um, so we see those levels of persecution increasing. Uh, but we also start seeing that in other areas of Nigeria, not just in the north, so central Nigeria, and even moving a little bit to the south, um, we're seeing you know, pockets of, of persecution through violence, right? And, and that's probably what we will continue to see in Nigeria. We don't see any, uh, and now we don't see any clear resolution to the issue. We don't see any clear uh, uh, government um, action stepping up to quell uh, these type, this type of violence. And so I would expect that that would continue. Uh, the other area, the other country I think that, that we would have on our radar would be Afghanistan. And when we think of Afghanistan, we think of the Christian community. It's not like you would find a church building. Uh, so these are all Christians that are living, uh, I would say, underground, under the radar. Um, but I would expect with now the, the Taliban coming back into control and seizing control of, of uh, Afghanistan, uh, the community is going to be closely watched and monitored. So they'll recognize that, you know, this person's not going to the mosque. That will be noticed, right? So how are they going to be, um, how are they going to be treated? So we know that uh, Christian converts and, and um, um, active Christians uh, are persecuted in Afghanistan. Uh, so they are disowned by their community, but often killed. Mm, thank you all for your perspective on that. And Cole and Floyd, do you observe any significant changes? So are there countries, for example, where persecution has become noticeably worse in the last year or so? Or are there any trends that you see developing? Yeah, a great example is Mozambique. Um, tremendous violence broke out in Mozambique, and a lot of it is a civil war. 
But the people who suffer the worst amid these circumstances are Christians who are especially vulnerable and can be targeted. Um, so in Mozambique, uh, we've seen thousands of Christians driven from their homes and many killed. Uh, and then another example is the Central African Republic and uh, Ethiopia, where tens of thousands of Christian families have been displaced in each country. Unfortunately, these are situations that are rarely discussed in the U.S. and I think aren't discussed enough in other nations either, but a lot of Christians around the world aren't aware that literally tens of thousands in some countries, a hundred thousand or more in other countries of Christian families and churches are affected by profound violence and, and that this is increasing. It, it's uh, one of the most profound untold or little understood stories of our time, surely. Another trend I would, I would keep an eye on is the synchronization of, of, of faiths uh, within a country, um, uh, also ideologies. Uh, so we, we can look to China, for example, uh, where uh, there is a synchronization of, of, of Buddhism, of Christian, Christian faith, uh, communist ideology, all kind of blending together. And uh, from, what I, from the reports that I've, I've seen and heard, that they're actually um, rewriting the Bible to express this new worldview. Uh, it, re it really is establishing a new worldview. And, um, and so that the traditional biblical Christian worldview is something that is, is being erased by this synchronization of beliefs and faiths and ideology within a country. And I, I would believe that would be a trend that we, you know, we're looking at China right now, but I can see other groups, even I would say in, in, in our Western culture, something that could uh, become a pressure point for Christians, um, uh, certainly in Canada. Um, I can only speak for Canada, I can't speak for other countries, but I think that Western nations could see that working well with some of the ide ideology as well. Um, and the only other, the other thing that I would um, I would be careful of is uh, extremism. Like we know there are extremist groups uh, in the world, but this uh, it was interesting. A few years ago, uh, China, Russia, Vietnam, and I think Venezuela uh, revamped uh, their re religious regulations, and um, and they revamped those things to say that they were, they were clamping down on extremist groups. So Russia was looking at some of the extremist Islamic groups in their, in their country, and, and these new regulations would, would curtail extremism. And China was saying the same thing. Vietnam was saying the same thing. The issue there is, how do you label extreme? So if a Christian goes out and is evangelizing, maybe going to the furthest regions to evangelize and bring the gospel and convert uh, Christians, could someone say that's extreme, right? And if that's extreme, um, then they would, they would, you know, have measures to stop that form of extremism, right? So I would see that's a trend that would be happening. I think that's also a trend that could be very easily adapted into Western culture, Western society, that's an area that we would keep an eye on as well. On today's podcast, I'm speaking to three of the leaders of our sister ministries, 
Cole from VOM USA, Tony from VOM Australia and Floyd from VOM Canada. We've heard some updates on several countries which are also highlighted in our persecution trends report for 2023. Listen as we hear about some of the more positive projections and answers to prayer, as well as how you can pray for our persecuted family. And coming now to you, Tony and Floyd, are there any areas in the world where you can see some likely improvements in the situation as far as persecuted Christians are concerned? Are there any encouraging answers to prayer that you can share with us? In some of the areas we work, I would say yes. One of them would be Egypt. We're seeing copious amounts of Muslims coming to Christ. Our ministry has exploded there. There's also situations in Iran where people are calling it a revival happening in Iran. So there are pockets happening everywhere. And I do think it's a significant time. You know, we, we always seem to look with one eye and see the bad. There's so much good. There's so much happening. Even in a place like China today, there are baptisms. There are people being saved. There's a request for more Christian literature, more Bibles, more discipleship training. These things are not happening for some unknown reason. People are needing it, they're requiring it, they want to learn, they want to grow. So in spite of all the chaos, there are a number of hotspots, particularly, as I said, Egypt, where we're seeing exponential growth, particularly from Muslim background believers. Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, there's always a reason, as Christians, there's always a reason to celebrate. And we can't lose sight of that, that our ministry is to the persecuted church. Um, and increasingly, I'm not using the term persecuted church, I'm using the church persecuted, because that, that, that turns it to say there's a church in the world, and in the world the church will be persecuted, right? So whether you're in the UK, whether you're in Canada, US, Nigeria, China, North Korea, Vietnam, wherever you are, uh, there is a church, his church, it will be persecuted, and yet we see this resilient faith throughout the, throughout the centuries, if we look back, if we look now, and I, and I have hope for the future, that this resilient faith within the church will continue to grow. Um, answers to prayer, we've seen answers to prayer globally. Um, in Pakistan, we've, we've seen um, Christians, uh, young girls that have been abducted and forcefully married, married uh, Christian girls. We've, you know, we've, we've known their names, we've prayed for them. Um, not all of them have been released, but we've seen some of them released and restored to their families. Um, we've seen that in Nigeria as well. We've seen some of the, the Chidebot girls be released. Now, they're not all released, but a number of them have been released. And so that's an answer to prayer. And we continue to pray for them that they would be welcomed back into their society and homes. And uh, in Egypt, um, you know, we, we saw a Christian was appointed the head of the Supreme uh, Conditional Court. And... That's unheard of, right? And these are things that, that are, um, are things that we can celebrate. Uh, we've seen Christians released on bail in Pakistan and India. Uh, and in Sudan, we've seen, uh, you know, charges of apostasy dropped for a number of Christians that were facing these issues. And so, um, yeah, those, those are reasons to celebrate. Um, and I, I love the fact that the reasons to celebrate uh, because they were they were breathed they were they were bathed in prayer right and so we see the answers uh, to prayer so when people say does prayer really make a difference um, i think that we as organizations could do a better job at 
at sharing these, these moments. Say, yeah, prayer makes a difference. Here's, look what's happened in this case. We asked you to pray. Look what's happening in this case over here. And so we can celebrate those things. And that leads nicely into the next question. So how can Christians in the West support, but also pray for persecuted believers around the world? I'd love to hear you all answer that. Uh, I like to explain that if we will enter into fellowship with persecuted Christians, um, we will have the blessing of being able to pray for them and support them, but we will also have the blessing of this richness of interaction with God's great family. So I, I think sometimes we have the idea that we should go somewhere and help these needy Christians, and they do have profound needs and we should help them, but we shouldn't approach that thinking that um, we feel sorry for them or we have pity on them. Instead, we find that they are wonderfully inspiring and there's a richness in relationship with them. Um, God's family around the world, especially including persecuted Christians, is something that we should learn to treasure and prize and value and uh, have the kind of fellowship and unity in the body of Christ that Christ himself prayed to the Father on his way to the cross in John chapter 17, that all of us would be completely united, and that if we were completely united, the world would know that we were his disciples. So if, if we would engage in the larger body of Christ in this way, we will be blessed by it, God will be glorified, and it will be a powerful witness to the lost. So I've been with VOM pretty much all my life. So my parents started the work in Canada. So Richard and Sabina were in a home. We knew them quite well. So I'm very familiar with persecution, but joined the organization uh, 20 years ago. Um, and my first trip was to Ethiopia, official trip was to Ethiopia. And um, we were going into a community that had been, the Christians had been attacked in the community. The churches were growing um, and um, they were attacked by the local community one of the pastors was killed in the attack. Uh, his wife uh, was badly beaten. One, one of the elders um, and during the attack had his back broken. Um, and so uh, we were traveling to go visit them. Long story short, I was uh, at the back of the church. The pastor asked us to come to the back of the church after the service was done and shake hands with the people. And there was a little old Ethiopian lady that was uh, coming, towards, uh, coming towards me. And I could tell that she wanted to to say something. Um, and so I had to stoop down to hear what she had to say. And uh, I didn't stoop down low enough and, and she grabbed my shirt and pulled me down closer to her face level and kissed me on both of my cheeks and continued to grab my shirt and hold me there. So she was looking me eye and, and said, thank you for coming here today. And this was through a translator who was saying, she said, you know, in my country, um, we have faced many difficulties, right? So we have a famine. We often are, are starving. Uh, some of our younger children, they often die of malaria. We can't get the proper medication to help our children with malaria. And so we have all these issues and problems in our country. And then on top of that, as Christians, we're persecuted because we love Jesus and we, we want to follow him. So when you go to Canada, when you go back to your home, please, please tell my brothers and sisters to pray for us, right? Pray that, would re that we, in all of this, we would remain faithful to Jesus because all these things are temporary. Our persecution is temporary, right? And we want to be faithful to him because one day we will be with him. So pray that we would remain faithful because that's our goal, to be with Jesus. 
And so I said, yeah, uh, for sure. Anytime I, I meet with Canadian Christians or speak, I will tell them to pray for you. And I thought she was done because I, I went to pull up and she pulled me back down and said, I'm not finished yet. And she said, when you talk to my brothers and sisters, wherever you see them, please tell them that I will be praying for them, that they would be faithful in whatever circumstances they're facing in their life, that they would be faithful to their Lord and Savior because their goal would be to be with Jesus as well. And so to me, that was just a, a, an inauguration into the work. But it taught me the, the difference between praying for persecuted Christians and praying with persecuted Christians. We need to pray for persecuted Christians, that the Lord would continue to empower them, that the Lord would continue to give them strength, you know, all these things that, that we pray for. But then praying with them means that that we are with them in terms of this global work that the church has been called to do, right? So for, for those listening in the UK, and, and when I speak to Canadians in, in, uh, in Canada, I say, here's her message to you, that if this little lady is still alive, she's praying for you, that you would be faithful, right? In the midst of whatever circumstances you're facing, it may not be direct persecution, but maybe it's, it's opposition from, you know, health, uh, health issues or employment issues or, uh, money issues, whatever those issues are, relational issues, right? That she's praying that you would be a faithful witness for Christ in the midst of that type of opposition and suffering. And so that's the greater work of the church, right? And that story really illustrates that richness of interaction that we find when praying with our persecuted family and how this is a two-way thing. And that's the beauty of being in fellowship with the body of Christ, whether we are or aren't facing persecution. So thank you for sharing that. And Tony, is there anything that you want to add? Get to know organisations like Release, Voice of the Martyrs. Hear, hear the stories that they share. Read the magazine. Look at the website. And get an understanding of what Christians go through for their faith. Pray. That's what they ask for, and pray until you pray. Because prayer is the most powerful weapon we have in our faith, and prayer does work, and that's what they ask us for. And I think through our prayer, we don't only enhance their lives, but we enhance our own too. That's great. Thank you so much, all of you, for joining me today on The Voice podcast. Our brothers and sisters around the world who are facing persecution are praying for us. That we would remain faithful in whatever circumstances we might face this year. How much more then can we pray for them, considering the challenges, opposition and often violence that they will go through? Let's lift them up in prayer. Let's commit afresh this new year to stand with them, to listen to their voices and to pray with them you can read the persecution trends report in our January edition of The Voice magazine and it's also available on our website at releaseinternational.org. Thank you so much for listening to The Voice podcast. Please do subscribe through your favourite podcast app so you can stay connected to the voice of persecuted Christians. We'd love to hear your feedback on the podcast too so please do share your comments with us. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube. And if you don't already receive our free quarterly magazine or prayer alert emails, then you can subscribe now on our website at releaseinternational.org forward slash podcast.
Remember those who are in prison as if you were in there together with them, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Do not abandon them.